this is how a lot of songs that are great are written. Mm. And it's so encouraging because, uh, you know, I'm in a room today and like I'm with top AA writers mm -hmm. and like you hit a stumbling block and you're like, is this, is this how it's supposed to feel yeah. with like some of the best writers in the world? Like we still don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like this is what writing is. Yeah. No one like... If you already knew what you're going to write, you wouldn't write. It's already be done already. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you show up like it's having new. no idea. Yeah. Every time I go into a session, I'm like, I, I'm probably, I don't know how to write. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the new music business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business. Uh, if you're hearing that scratch in my voice, that is because I just got off of a long weekend of performing once again, Brass Roots District, Live in the Lot, Summer of 73, fully immersive, funk soul, concert, theatrical immersive experience. I said immersive twice in that sentence. That is because this is a crazy new event. There's literally never been an event like this in the entire world. If you know of one, please let me know. But I've been talking to people all over in the immersive community. Nothing like this has been done, and people are losing their minds at it, and it is very fun to watch. Uh, it's not just a funk soul concert, but we do have a nine-piece smoke and funk band on stage. Um, but it is not just a play, but yes, we do have a 60-page script with actors and a director and a playwright. It is a hybrid of both. It is a play, it is a concert, and it's interactive, and you're part of it. And you show up dressed like it's 1973, because in our world, it is 1973. You're going to want to head over to BrassRootsDistrict.com and check it out. If you're in L.A., you better get to this show. We only have a few more performances left, so don't miss it. I would stop this, pause this right now, grab those tickets, and then come on by. Okay, we're doing something a little bit different this week. We are re-airing. The first ever New Music Business Podcast episode. It is with Andy Grammer, my friend, singer-songwriter extraordinaire Andy Grammer. Uh, this was the first ever episode we aired and recorded. We recorded this live at my book signing at Barnes & Noble. This was for the second edition of the book. Uh, shortly before the pandemic. So this is an in-person event Andy and I were on stage at Barnes & Noble at the Grove in L.A. There was a full house there. We took some questions at the end. This is one of my favorite episodes that I've ever recorded. We are pushing 60 or 70 episodes at this point, And I felt, you know what? Let's re-air this one because Andy just drops gem after gem after gem after gem. And you're going to need a giant knapsack to lap up all those gems and keep them and carry them on your way so you know if you don't know who andy Grammer is time to catch up uh he is the first male pop star in a decade since john mayer to reach the top 10 at adult pop radio on his first two singles his discography includes of course the hits keep your head up fine by me honey i'm good good to be alive hallelujah fresh eyes 
And his latest album, Naive, quickly reached the top 10 on iTunes and is already certified gold. Speaking of gold, this conversation is pure gold. Andy is incredible. And uh, regardless if you know who he is, regardless if you listen to his music, everyone, I promise you, you are going to walk away from this episode unbelievably inspired. People still come up to me to this day, a year and a half later, and reference moments of this episode. Do not miss this. Listen to the very end. I promise you, you're going to love this. You can find me, of course, on Instagram and Twitter at Ari Herstand. You can find all of us at Ari's Take on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Head over to ariestake.com. Sign up on that email list. That is the most important thing in our world that you can do. And, of course, like Subscribe. Follow this podcast. Please pause right now and just hit that follow button. Hit that subscribe. Like the show. However you're listening to this right now, leave us a comment. Whether it's on YouTube or if you're on Apple, please leave us a review. Five stars would be appreciated. All right. Let's kick into the show. I moved to L.A. about uh, 10 years ago, and Andy was one of the first people that I had over at my place. He was, he was one of the first only, only people I knew in L.A. Uh, like 12 years ago. When I was living in Minneapolis, I, I booked him on a stage at uh, Milwaukee Summerfest. It was like one of those tiny little side stages before he had any of his his hits and his platinum stuff. He would play. He played this little stage and come. We kind of stayed in touch. And uh, it's interesting that first night that you came over, um, I remember you were telling me about this video that you had just shot, and you're really kind of nervous about it. You're like, "Man, this is the first. There's a big high production video." Yeah. And. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be this like interactive thing. And oh, it, was, yeah. it was for keep your head up. And yeah, it was like yeah. before your record came out and anything. I want to start back there, that era, because I feel like a lot of people, you know, we only see all the successes that have come. And we think that, you know, a lot of times you just start off by um, playing, you know, writing a few songs, playing a couple gigs and boom, you're on the radio. Um, I want to hear about the journey from before that first song came out, before your first record came out. Is that how it went for you? Did you just kind of play a couple songs, get discovered, and boom, you're on the radio? Or were you grinding it out? What was that life like back then? Well, the first, what's awesome is the first gig that we played, to even call it a stage, is like Yeah, cool. <laughs> it's generous, right. <laughs> so if, if, if you don't know, Summerfest is like this awesome, huge music festival in, um, it's in Milwaukee. Yeah. And I got a call that, I could go play. Yeah, I got a call from my other friend Josh mm-hmm. that you knew, and he sent me out there, and it's it was very much like street performing. So I did like yeah. a lot of, just like just grinding without any good reason. Mm. You know, I think yeah. that that's the first thing that I would say is if you're a musician, you just have to believe and go, um, without necessarily having anybody looking at you saying like, oh, that's a good idea. Um, so I, what's funny is that kicked off another tour. Mm. So it was basically. It was more of a mobile marketing thing than anything else. Hmm. That they, it was a Chevy stage that was set up way <laughs> in the corner of Summerfest. And I got there, and they would let me play. And then the guy liked me enough that he's like, I'll let you come. Uh, we're, we're setting up this mobile marketing thing in a bunch of other music festivals. Mm. He's like, you can come do it if you're willing to hand out like Chevy T-shirts during the day oh and help us pack up. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, totally in on that. So, so we went to like four other festivals. And yeah, I was just like down to grind. Did you have any music at this time out? No. No, you didn't have a CD or anything no, like that? No, I didn't that. have a CD. I was just okay. kind of down to try and make waves in some possible way. And because you were living here at the time, 
right? I think so. And then because, I, you know, the story, the the tagline that everyone kind of says is like, you know, you started on Third Street Promenade, which yeah. not too far from here, street performing. Yeah. And how long were you were you on the the street? street I did that for four years. Four years. Four years of that, which is so long. How That's often really long would time. you do it? Like once. A I would week do that or? probably like. I mean, I paid my rent by street performing. Wow. And I like <laughs> to tell the story because I, I like to share the way that you get to, at least for me, the way to mm-hmm. get to a song that everybody loves. There's like a lot of different ways, mm. but the misconception I think is like. I like to try to dispel the misconception of like that guy just has it. Mm. Yes, that's bullshit. Are we allowed to curse? Yes. Cool. <laughs> um, the idea that someone just has it mm. is a myth that we that we put on on those that we think are great, and it like it's almost an excuse to ourselves to not try hard because mm. they have it and I don't have it. So right. Why, I, why even like go? So the way yeah. that I got to my first single was I went and street performed, and it's like a long period of time to get to the single. But the way that it was was like very calculated so i go out and i'm playing songs and i'm playing covers and none of them are working and people are just like ignoring me all day long so then i keep trying different things I, at the time it was like hey there delilah I'm like <laughs> please stop playing that <laughs> and then i play i remember playing like michael jackson and i actually had a guy come up to me and anytime anybody in the beginning anytime anybody came up to you, you're like yeah. awesome right. some interaction <laughs> Someone cares. he comes up and he literally like whispers in me he's like this one this one's not for you i'm yeah. like okay cool uh so you stop that <laughs> And you just keep trying things. You keep trying things. You're like, who am I? Like, what's my thing to offer? Yeah. And I, I played. I would play Sunday Morning by Maroon Five. Mm. Still one of my favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'd play it, and people would stop. Mm. And I'd have their attention for like that song only. Mm. And then they would leave. He'd be like, okay, so this is working. My me copying someone else blatantly is <laughs> is like actually giving you something. Yeah. So then I would go home and try to write my version of Sunday Morning huh. over and over and over and over again. And the first song I had that made people stop that was my own was this song called The Pocket, yeah. which I love yeah. more, mostly because it's like the first time that something of my own made someone stop. And I remember being out there and playing it and people would stop and be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And what I say is that it's really hard to get the switch to happen yeah. where you are actually being of service to somebody else. This is like mm. what the deepest level is that we've all been to our friends' shows where we are giving them attention. Mm-hmm. We are doing you the service mm. by being here. This sucks, right? Mm. <laughs> we've all been there. And there's a, just a ton of work that goes into shifting that to where now whatever it is that I'm doing is being of service to you. Mm. At its most fundamental level, that is how you create momentum in any business, mm-hmm. and especially the music business. It's like, how is when you come to my show, am I giving to you? How, when you listen to my song, am I giving to you? How, on social media, am I giving to you? Yeah. How, in any interaction that we have, uh, have we left it so that you feel right. like I've done more for you than you've done for me? This is how you go. Mm. In every single way. Yes. And so, going from the street where I finally got 15 minutes together that where I was just giving... Yes. It's like, here's Keep Your Head Up. You can sing it right away. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It's giving to you for some reason. Of all the hundred songs that I wrote, that mm. one's giving to you. Here's the, this song, The Pocket, that's giving to you. Here's a story that I put together in between those two that seems to give to the average person that's walking by. Mm. I had 15 minutes where the whole thing was just giving, right? Mm-hmm. And then Keep Your Head Off started, started to take off, but it didn't just like go. 
Yeah. And he's like, this is it. Go. Right, right. It's like, we don't know who that guy is. We'd rather play actually Maroon 5. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> why, why are we going to play That's you? The, but I want to touch on the, the giving part because I think it takes a lot of performers and artists a long time to realize when you're on stage, it's not really about you on stage. It's yeah. about you. It's about the audience. It's about, it's the giving. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, we all get caught up in ourselves like, oh my gosh, like how am I playing? How do I look? How do I sound? It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. But you realize from being on the street that it's not about me. I mean, right now, yeah. no one's here for us. <laughs> They're here. Sincerely. To, right, right. Everyone's here because they want to do their thing. Mm -hmm. And they're hoping that hopefully something I say or you say mm -hmm. will help them along their journey. And I, I'm going to try my hardest to give you something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want this thing to end right. where like I've given you way more than hopefully you've given me mm. in every interaction. That's how you create momentum. So when you're on the you are on the street and you're getting this feedback in real time and yeah. it's like, you know, but also you did it for four years. Now I'm sure there's a lot of people here who have done those grind money gigs. You paid your rent doing this. Yeah. We've all played the bar gigs. We've done the street thing. I was I did the street thing. It's just it can be soul crushing. Yeah. Like what do you say to these artists that are doing these gigs where nobody's paying attention? Because I'm sure there were times on the street where you realize real quick, like, yep, no one's caring about me. No one's yeah. listening. No one, you know, until you play Sunday morning. But uh, like what, what kept you going and what made you just kind of stay the course and be like, no, 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 I believe in this enough that I need to keep going. And for artists that are still like grinding it out and they're just, you know, it's, it can be discouraging. What, what yeah. do you kind of say to them? And say that you said to you. I think that um, this is like a Tony Robbins quote. He says, you overestimate what you can do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in a decade, which is really true. Hmm. And I think that if you're in one of those soul crushing gigs and you're listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. um, what you really need to be focused on is are you pushing yourself every day? And it's like one of those annoying things to hear people say, but. The outcome shouldn't be as important as like, do you show up every day? Me and my wife had a thing we, we say like, did you kill the, did you slay the dragon today? <laughs> did you try? Yeah. Did you go after it? Because that's mm. the undeniable thing that will, you know, now that I've been in LA for 15 years, holy shit. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a lot of friends in my circle, you included, mm -hmm. who just wouldn't stop every day, wake up, go as hard as they can in a direction. Mm -hmm. And that is more important to me than talent, mm. honestly. Because you wake up and you go, and now you, you can't steer something that's not moving. Mm -hmm. So you, you show up, you go as hard as you can that day, you end the night, you go to sleep, you wake up, you do it again. And you love the thing that you're doing. So if these gigs are soul-crushing, um, they weren't. it wasn't soul-crushing for me. Okay. It was like I knew that I was chasing my purpose. Mm. So even if I showed up and no one gave me any money that day, I checkmarked that like, I showed up for my purpose today. And that was my goal. And I did it. So you knew very early on that your purpose, uh, music, right? That's that's the purpose? No. no. What is the purpose? I knew that like my, that that was like the, one of the ways, the way that was available in front of me to go after my thing. Uh -huh. It was like, one, no one would book me for shows. Uh -huh. <laughs> Literally. Right, okay. I'm like going around all these, these different places in Los Angeles like, yeah. can I play for you? And they're like, we don't know who you are. Get away. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay. Well, it's a like freedom of speech. Yeah. On the promenade, <laughs> right, you can't right. tell me to stop. Yeah. So I'm allowed to do this. Yeah. So I would just, I you just start there. Mm. Nice. And so, I mean, you're you're grinding it out. You're learning what's working in feedback, real time. Yeah. Um. They, you see that. Um. You know, Sunday morning works, and then and then the pocket works, and then 
it's kind of was there a shift from in kind of your perception or was there a shift when you were on the street that after you kind of saw that you got your tight 15 minutes that you said and you got it that enabled you to kind of make that leap from the street to the next just be kind of the the next stage of the career which so there was yeah it definitely you, you will feel for anybody in here if you have something that is being of service to someone else you'll mm. feel that mm. you'll like see a difference at a show someone will come up to you and they'll, they'll like look you in the eye and be like yo yo how do i get that mm-hmm. with that song you just you know the one you just played about like the girl that broke it like yeah. I, I want that song uh. that's a very different thing than when you don't have that thing we nice. all know when you don't have that thing it it shifts to where like whoa I, you are now being of service to me. How, how do I get that? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you can feel that a little bit. You know, I could actually see money wise. It was a different time. I don't even know if people buy CDs on the promenade anymore. Mm-hmm. So I could sell CDs for ten dollars, and mm-hmm. you you could see each year that it was going up. Mm. So in the beginning, you sell like three yeah. a day. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. you get to oh, a place gosh. you sign a little bit more. I think my best day was like one hundred and ten CDs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, but amazing. I usually sell. Wow. By the last year, it would be at least. 200 CDs over the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, what were these CDs? Because this was before your debut album. What were you selling? <laughs> I was selling... Oh, it was like an EP. Maroon 5 bootlegs. <laughs> it, it, it was an EP. It was an EP that had some some songs on it that, like, when I listen back to them now, drive me insane. Oh, gosh. And uh, Was the pocket on there? No, it wasn't. Okay. It was way before that. Hmm. And I would sing a cover of um, Chasing Cars. And I'm pretty sure everybody thought that was on the CD. And I would, I would say, I'm pretty sure everybody thought Sunday morning was on there too. I never uh-huh. said it was or wasn't. I would just like, it was my CD. Right, right, right. Um, so, oh, what I was saying is to go from that to having a radio hit for yeah. me, yeah. it's probably it's probably even different now. But basically, I had 15 minutes that were of service to people. Mm. And so then they put me in a car and sent me to every radio station. And what's unique is that. Mm. Playing for someone who doesn't care about you at a radio station is remarkably similar to to a stranger who's walking by to get jeans. Wow! They're just like, I don't want to. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, someone's yeah. walking by, like, if I could, <laughs> right. it's like the same situation right. with a radio programmer who's like, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing someone a favor by even seeing you. Right. So if you could just like do your thing and get out of my face, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah, that's the same thing you're pushing up against. Mm-hmm. And I went to every single pretty much every single radio station, like, twice. Mm. It was, like, a tour where I remember I was, like, opening for people. And I remember I went on a tour with Natasha Bedingfield. I opened for Natasha Bedingfield. Mm-hmm. And the majority of that tour was just, like, four radio stations a day. And I would arrive wow. to the gig just, like, completely spent. The gig almost didn't matter. Yeah, It was just about, like, how do I leave the – I would call them King Koopas – because, mm-hmm. like, you play a Mario game, and, like, mm-hmm. none of it matters unless you beat the king at the end. <laughs> right, right. And so it was like, how do I get to this person who's in charge of making this decision and show them that I have something that's worth their time? So you're in Great. you're in you, Iowa I, yes. at 6 a.m. Yes. With a lady who really doesn't want to talk to you or hear right, from you. Right, right. And, and the, what I have is a tight 15 minutes mm. that I know probably by, like, seven or eight minutes, mm-hmm. this has worked on everyone. Mm-hmm. It's going to work on you. What was your? This vote? is like a tested four-year thing. Right, right, right. I'm gonna right, do right. it you right now, <laughs> and it's gonna work. And they would, you could see them, kind of like go like, wow, yeah, okay. And then I would leave, and they'd be kind of like stun gunned a little bit. Mm. And then we'd get the call later. They're like, you know what? 
we're going to add that song. Amazing. But it wasn't just like the song performed. Yeah. Keep Your Head Up was like a hit and mm -hmm. it worked. But mm -hmm. even that mm. was, it was, wasn't enough. Right. I had to go in and, and like win people over and, and give. Yeah. Yeah. I want to step it back just a little bit because I, I'm sure people are listening here and they're like, so he went from performing on the promenade to doing radio tours. No. There's so definitely got to be something in between man, that. An amazing manager who's still with me today. Okay. His name's Ben Singer. Ben Singer. And he yeah. came out to the promenade and saw me playing out there. Hmm. And he, we just started like really working together as like partners. Yeah. And the first thing that he did was he got me a better rug and he got me a better <laughs> like tip jar. Because you would have a rug myth, on like, the street. No, no one's going to do this for you. Yeah. There's no button that someone pushes and mm. it's like, you win. Yeah. You win the game. <laughs> you know? Like even some of these TV shows, it'll be like the confetti goes off. Yeah. And it's like, you won this show. Yeah, right. And I'm at home like, you have so much to do still. <laughs> like, so, like yeah. there's just so much to figuring out and it never ends. Uh. Just like it always goes. So he saw you and it wasn't like, I see you. I'm going to make you a star tomorrow. It was like, so your rug that you're standing on while these people are walking by is really shabby. I'm going to yeah. get you a new rug. I'm going to get you a new We're rug. We're going to start there. And the tip jar, it's falling to pieces. Well, he's you like, I'm going to get you a new jar. rug and I'm going to tell you why your songs kind of suck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's like, uh, he was really great at just like being, he, he has an incredible ear and he's really good at a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but he was a partner mm. who was down to, I would play song, I would write all these songs and I would send them to him and he'd be like, no, mm. no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I love that you call him. <laughs> no <a> again. <laughs> yeah. I love that you call him a partner because a lot of people, they think of managers as someone to just kind of come in and do everything for them. Yeah. And that they're like, okay, sweet. I have a manager. Now I don't have to do anything anymore. This philosophy that I've been speaking about the whole time yeah. still applies to every single person in your circle. So there's, mm. you want, you want your manager to be getting more uh, than you're getting, not necessarily monetarily, but just like you want to leave a meeting with your manager. Mm hmm uh, with him psyched to do something for you. Mm. You want to leave a meeting with your agent. You want to have something going by the time you meet them to talk about it with them. Yeah. Cause everybody wants to jump on a moving ship. Yes. You want to just be like the one that when people come in contact with you, they're like, man, that was great. Let's mm. like, let's, we should do that again. Yeah. And in every situation, even in the people that are helping you, you want to be like give, getting them excited, pumping them up. So you no You're, one's going to do this for you. Right. <laughs> you are the one that's going to do this. Yes. Yes. As soon as you like really understand that, yeah. then you can get to work on doing it. That is fantastic. And I love hearing you say that because I think, you know, what I hear a lot from artists who are just kind of grinding it out early on, it's just like, man, I can't wait to the time when I have a full team and I have a manager and a label and a booking agent. I don't have to do any of this stuff anymore. So yeah. what, if I saying, just had. Right. If I just up. had. Right. Yeah. No, you're still doing it. I believe you. Yeah. And it's real. Yes. And what does that do for us? Yeah. Stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. Go and do some things go and do that it. will make them come. Yeah. Like go build the fire that, mm. that gets people to go like, what's going on over there? Mm. You know what I mean? So be, building that fire, would you say that that the fire that you built early on, it, even just the little flame that you had in front of your rug on the street that Ben was attracted to, that warmed him up, that came through, that was that tight 15. And then it just kind of builds as you kind of throw kindling on the fire with uh, as you bring more team members. And then you're kind of it's the uh, it's the 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 video or it's the the song that you just wrote yesterday or it's yeah. just like that's the fire. It's a lot about like 
creating things, and I mean, hit songs are like really hard to find and write. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, like for me, we've talked about it a little back there that I yeah. just write like, I, from, for every album, I write 100 songs. A hundred songs for every album. That either, the two things, you can be like, you're not that good then. (laughs) (laughs) Or you have like a crazy, like for me, I just know that I need that many takes to get something amazing. The the bar for what will make you, it's, when was the last song you heard on the radio that made you go like, oh my God, I need that? Can anybody say? Someone tell me. What was the last song you heard on the radio that made you go like, oh my God, I need that song. Someone call it out. What do you say? Louis Capaldi. Capaldi. Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But even in your head right now, you're thinking, you're like, I don't know. Yeah. That's the bar. Yeah. It has to be that fucking good yeah. to make someone go like, oh my God, what? who is this? I need to know this person. I want this. And how do you know, though, when you've reached that bar? Because it's it's it can be hard because we don't necessarily we're not great judges necessarily of no. our own art no and so when we're writing something we may think like this is really meaningful to me totally. but how do you know that it's going to make other people stop them in their tracks totally and, and i think you play it for a lot of people i was very lucky to have a guy like ben who's mm-hmm. my manager who yep. we would uh usually if two of us are really really excited about something there's usually a, a chance that there's something there yeah um but the but i think most writers stop too early and then they have this debate about like what's the single, yeah. And it's a really terrible situation because I've, nobody knows because it's probably not there. Yeah, yeah. So like my story is that I wrote a hundred songs for my second album. Mm-hmm. We went in, we had like this party about how great it was because the album was done, and then we left. And Ben was like, "I don't think we have a single." Oh gosh, which was so gnarly because we just had this like celebration. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh god, and. You know, I was like pretty depressed because <laughs> wow. 100 is a lot of songs. Yeah. Um, and then we went the next day and I wrote Honey, I'm Good. Wow. This is, Which there, there one, is a way yeah. to up your chances. Hmm. Of the people sitting in this room, who's going to write 100? It gets real small fast. Yeah, yeah. Like the amount of people that will actually write 100 songs gets you into a pocket where you're like really competing with other psychos. <laughs> <laughs> and then your chances of, of catching some like anyone in this room who's a songwriter, if you write a hundred, you will have a much better shot. Mm. But what that is is that's just like work. That's like a lot of work. People aren't really willing to do that amount of work. And t- I mean, and that's why you get into that smaller community. But also, of who it's are not grinding. even just like work. So this yep. is what I like to tell artists: is that you are more a fear fighter than you are a songwriter. Like, I like to say the analogy, like, I, I'm about to go to a show, leave to go play a show to, not even, I play a show on Saturday, uh-huh. but I travel tomorrow all day, mm-hmm. and I'll play the show for an hour and a half on Saturday, and then I fly back on Sunday. So I'm a traveler. Right. <laughs> yes. And then I play some music right. for a little bit there. Sure. And the analogy is that as an artist, you're a fear fighter, and like, sometimes you write music. Mm. So you have to like, just really go after this thing in yourself that that you're not good enough, that you can't do it, that you're not worth it, you don't have anything to say, mm. that it's not going to work for you. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to wake up and just, like, fight that all day long while you're drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> while you're getting breakfast, while you're doing the thing. You're, you have this on you. 
And then if you can fight it enough to where you like actually go write the song, mm -hmm. you win. And then you let yourself off the hook for the day because you did the thing. Do you have a practice or do you have a routine or a way that uh, you have learned that enables you to crush that fear, to fight that fear regularly and then show up for what you need to do? Mm. Has that fear ever become too much? I think it's different. Like right now, it's not. I do a lot of co-writes. Yes. I do it half because I think that the people that I'm writing with are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And literally half because it will make me write. Hmm. I do think that I could sit down and write some pretty great songs by myself. Sure. And I do sometimes. And you have. But yeah. the majority of times it's because I know that if I get with this person, I will, ha I will be pressured into writing something that day with them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just like set it up. Yeah. You know, the manager, my manager helps me set it up. It's really hard to do that first so I, I i say the hardest thing is to create distance between you and the ground when no one else believes in you that's where you really need this surge right like you really need to push hard hmm. and do it for yourself without help that takes an extra crazy um exorbitant amount of energy hmm. that if you're here you might have good luck please right God. right right hey. <laughs> and then the other thing is like we need it so bad whatever your thing is that you're going to push and fight to get yeah. To uh, please God, don't stop. Yeah. Like we really, we we really need it. I, I have a song called "Don't Give Up on Me" right now. Mm -hmm. That's like people come up to me and tell them to save their life. Mm. What if I didn't do my thing? Yeah. How many lives are people in here gonna save? Yeah. Like you, have, you're fear fighters. You have to show up and fight like hell. And this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand. That's like kind of hard to talk about. You know, I had a bunch of. Um, for my birthday this year, I had like 20 songwriters over my house, mm -hmm. and I just tried to encourage them and big them up and say stuff like this. Mm. And um, one of the things I was saying is that in many other careers, you don't have to deal with as much fear, I don't think. Maybe I'm not them, so maybe they right, do. Right. But if you told me you were a banker, yeah. I'd be like, cool. Right. Yeah. No. If you tell me like, like, oh, you're a musician, mm -hmm. I go like, oh, what have you done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like everybody's like, oh, I guess I'm a loser. Right, <laughs> yeah. Because you haven't, because sure. I'm not world famous yet <laughs> right. with like a, yeah. a couple huge singles that everybody's heard. Right. So like you're just dealing, that's like a lot to handle yeah. on a daily basis mm. all the time in every situation mm. that you're in is like, is like dealing with your worth. Why is that? It, the music is one of the only industries where like the sole definition of making it in success is like superstardom that like playing the halftime at the Super Bowl and mm. if they're like Uncle Joe hasn't heard of you then I you're not. I don't think honestly I don't think it's like uh anybody trying to be malicious. Yeah. I think that they just genuinely don't understand what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so like right. first of all writing a song sounds like a weird mystical idea to right. a lot of people. It's like okay, so if it's not it's not valuable and you haven't made money from it, yeah. then like, what the hell are you doing all day? And that's <laughs> right. Which well, is a little right. bit of a fair question. Right, right, right. But what are you doing? The truth is that you're working towards we're I think we're like ex excavators. Like we're like we're like hunting. We go on like long journeys to find something that is worth it that we bring back to everyone and go like, does this do something for you? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A hundred songs, and you don't even know if they are going to make money to pay your bills or anything like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like we are, we'll go away and we'll hibernate for months on end writing songs, hoping that this is going to work out to enable us to actually have some form of a career where this kind of supports yeah. us. And I mean, it's it's a huge risk. And I think, you know, at least early on, when you're like, oh, okay, I play this, this connects, it's like instant where they come and 
pop a dollar in there or something yeah. like that. It's like, oh, that connected. But when you're in the writing stage and you're in the writing process, is that going through your mind? And are you like, man, I got to write a hit. I got to write a hit. If, if, if this uh, doesn't connect with people, then I'm not going to be able to have this career that I've had up until this point. Like, is that fear now that you've had so many hits? Does that uh, infiltrate some of your writing sessions? Yeah, I'd lie if I'd say it didn't. I think also that action is, is one of the ways that you kill fear. So if what we are is fear fighters, mm -hmm. then like one of the things that fights fear is just action. Just take, like, just do it. Mm. Like just write a shitty song and then you'll feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Writing a shitty song is better than just writing no song. I only, my goal is like not write, write a, a shitty song today. Yeah. yeah. That's my goal. Good. Write a hit song? Like, chill out. <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to write a hit song? That's like, right. I'm going to be bummed for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> I get to be happy. Like, for me, yeah. I'm, like, pretty successful, and I will only have allowed been happy for, like, seven days yeah, yeah. of my whole life. Mm, right. I can't do that. Right. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my thing. So um, if you finish a song, you're, like, accomplishment. for Yeah, the I wrote a song yeah. today that was a one or a ten. I have no idea. Amazing. I went so hard. Everybody in the room is, like, amazing. Yeah. And they're badasses. Yeah. And the secret is we still don't know what we're doing. So you don't realize when you finish the song if it's great or not? No. I feel like I'm supposed to say yes. I don't know. That is actually liberating. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder and yeah they're very innovative and when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is you better be innovative and they are yes they will get your music out to spotify apple music all the places plus 450 other outlets around the world they do not take a commission this is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them they've already distributed 7 million songs they offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have, have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less-than-legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances uh this is something that's very cool and if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front they can see how much your music has earned in the past and like all right we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be and you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately they do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of Everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. 
check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. I was talking to Asia, uh, my wife, yeah. uh, on the way here. Is I was like, man, I have left writing sessions really not thinking that I wrote something good. And then it becomes awesome. Wow. Like a big freaking hit. Yeah. So well, that then, was like Fresh Eyes, I feel like, with yeah, the story. Yeah, Fresh Eyes. I, I just like left and I was like, that's just like not that good. Yeah. If, if there's no, like the hook doesn't like take off mm-hmm. or anything that like gets me. But it's like kind of more like a trance thing mm-hmm. that I couldn't get necessarily. I mean, I wrote it, so I liked it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now it's like it's done incredibly. And it's like this right. crazy streaming thing. Yeah. And so now I Huge leave hit. and I just like let myself off the hook for hating myself for the rest of the night. And so how's when that sound? <laughs> Are we cool with that? Wait, so like, when, right, yeah. Like I did my thing today. Yes, I did my amazing. thing. I'm gonna go enjoy my dinner. Huh. Yeah. Yes, amazing. So when do you then when do you make that indication or or figure out uh, what songs are going to make the record when you have to actually look at them and say, oh, this one is actually not shitty. This one could be decent enough. I don't think record. that's as hard as it seems because when you write a, you know, there, there's like a Nashville thing. that's like if you write 10 songs, mm-hmm. you think you've written five good songs. Mm-hmm. And if you write 50, you think you've written two. Ah. And if you write 100, you're like, I got one that's like real good. Uh-huh. And that's kind of what happens is you start to, there's ones that, so when you put out a record, this is awesome. It has to be like, oh man, the, I think the amateur way to put out a record is like, I can't wait for people to hear these. Mm. And the super pro way is like, I would be devastated if people didn't hear these. Mm. Because I've written so many and like these 10 are a part of my soul and they're the ones that fought their way to the top and beat all the other 90. Yes. So like if people don't hear these, I'm devastated. Yes. Right? Yes. As opposed to like, I wrote 20. Yeah. Here's 10. Like, hey, what do you think? Yes. You can strike gold. Right. But the goal here is that someone hears it and goes like, stops. We've all had that moment, just not very often, hmm. where you hear a song and you're like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Like, that is giving to me on a level that I'm not used to, mm. and I need to go find out who that is. Yeah. That's yeah. so hard. That takes, like, a lot of work. Yeah. And it's, and it's really hard to keep doing. Mm-hmm. If sure? you, I think it's as hard to, to go from obscurity to being known mm-hmm. to then having everybody go, like, you're probably done, and mm. doing it again. That's, yes. That's as hard. Sure. So the good news is... It doesn't really get better. <laughs> like or easier, the level of right. stress you have yeah. right now to like get somewhere will will just be, um, you know, there's like a whole team of people that are counting on me yeah. right now today yeah. when mm. I go into my session to write another thing that will keep the machine going. And I would say that is probably as intense as trying to get started, mm. you know? So you're just like, you get used to it. You just keep yeah. going. I'm curious about the co-writing process because you do do so many co-writes, Yes, but all of your songs feel so personal and patently you. Yeah. And that's been one of the coolest things, at least for me, just like experiencing your work through from the very, very beginning up until now is like we can kind of follow your personal journey through your music and through your songs. Like there's a song on your on your new record um, about your late mother and what she would be saying to your daughter. And, you know, this is something that obviously would not be on your first album, but that was a co-write. You had two other co-writers on that song. How do you get into a room with co-writers and still stay true to you and make it authentically you and tell your own personal story with other people in there? Yeah. Well, I think that co-writing, 
I've told this story before, but for me, co-writing was like the coolest thing in the world. Um, after one specific co-write that I did with a lady named Cara Diaguardi, who's mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable. And I had kind of been against co-writing up to that point, very like purist, mm. like this is my thing. Yeah. And I'm only doing my thing. Yeah. And then I got in a room with her and I forget. Oh, I had this idea of writing a song about how I like had recently lost my mother and I was like, I don't, I'm a rookie at this, mm. at like losing somebody. Mm. And so we wrote, she pulled it out of me things that I was like kind of even worried to get out. Mm. And I realized like, whoa, this is totally my story and it's so much better because she was here. Wow. So if I'm, if I'm clear on, on who I am and what my point of view is, mm -hmm. I, can, I can actually write songs that are way better with other people who are really, really good at this. Mm. And it can still be only my story. That was awesome. And so then I was like, wow, co-writing's great. If I know who I am, yeah. co-writing's great. You never want to, like in the early stages, you're probably co-writing and, and you have a couple songs that come out and you're like, that's super not who I am. And that guy made me say that thing. Right, and, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Like this. That's very different than, than like I show up uh, to sessions like, oh man, I want to make, I think I want to make a kind of like a house like this. Mm. And I know that you're a really good architect at this type of stuff, but I know that I want the door there and I want, What's and then you the, like start putting it together. So what is the preparation that you go through um, before a co-write? Do you know the other co-writers that you're teaming up with for that session? Do you, do you look at their work? Do you come with song starts? Do you come with lyrical ideas or topical ideas or how does it, what's that process? I like? usually come with a couple starts. Um, the other thing that I would say as I've gotten into rooms with people that are like higher, higher level writers, mm -hmm. One thing that I see that's different uh, than than the rooms of people that are starting is, and I don't know if this is right now or what, but we we jump way way more than like in the beginning at a, in a room of people who haven't written that many songs, yeah. or or me at least, I would come up with an idea and I would be like really precious about it, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't want to budge from it, and I'd want to make sure that we got something. Hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys yeah, ever been in a session? Yeah, yeah. And like you can kind of tell that like no one's jumping up and down about it. Yeah. But you're like, uh, well, we, well, we got to get something. Yeah, you're right. And as you get higher up, you go like something does nothing for anyone. Like writing a B, finishing a, like a B song doesn't do anything for me. Okay. So let, like let's jump. Uh. And the, really what, what allows you to jump is belief that something will be there. Like you, your belief in yourself that like I will find not only will I find something but I probably yeah. find something better. What do you mean jump? Like what that means like jumping this idea that we've just spent two hours on. Yeah, that's like a pretty good song. Yeah, screw it, scrap it, jump, just jump, move. Let's go, let's go to the next thing. Uh, okay. What do you think about doing another thing? And a lot of times, like great writers will be like, cool, let's go. So you'll be in a session with a great writer, top level writer. In two hours into it, you're like, you know what, not feeling it, scrap it. Let's move on to something yeah. new. Yeah, wow. And usually the the good ones are like great. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. They like look you back in the eyes like, I'm not afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Am I afraid? Right. <laughs> the, the thing is like, are we, are we all so psyched about this idea mm -hmm. that we think that it's going to make someone hear it on the radio and like stop what they're doing? Mm. If we don't, yeah. then like, let's jump. Mm. And that's been cool to see. Like, so my song, Don't Give Up On Me, I wrote, we wrote a pretty good song. Mm-hmm. And we were like verse pre-chorus, and we're getting ready to write the second verse. And someone in the room is like, "Is this great? Is this is like great, great." Yeah. And there's a lot of high-level people who are like, "Yeah, no, it's like really good." Yeah. It's not like, "Oh my god, holy shit, great." Yeah. Let's write another one. So we like jump. Let's write another one. We write, start writing another one. We get like 
verse pre in, and we're like, is this concept like amazing? Hmm. It's like, no, jump again. Yeah, jump again. Third song, write another song. Get to like ver. We get to the pre, and then like start the hook. Yeah, and we're still just like, oh man, I don't know. And then at this point now, I'm actually out. I'm good. <laughs> Three songs is like I've slayed my dragon. Right. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And to his credit, there's this guy Jake Torrey, he's a young writer who's smashing. Uh-huh. He's like, I'm not stopping. Huh. He's like, why don't I write a song about not uh, giving up on writing songs? Mm. And I was like. <laughs> You're speaking my language. Let's do that. <laughs> and we wrote that song in 20 minutes, probably. Wow. The majority don't, of the song came out in about 20 minutes. Don't give up on me. Came. Don't in, give up on me. And that's really was the, simple. The fourth one that you did of that day. That was the day? fourth one of the day. Wow. This is how a lot of songs that are great are written, mm. and it's so encouraging because, uh, you know, I'm in a room today, and like I'm with top AA writers, mm-hmm. and like you hit a stumbling block, and you're like, is this, is this how it's supposed to feel? Yeah. With like some of the best writers in the world, like we still don't know what we're doing. And it's like, yeah. That is That's what writing songs is. Encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this is what writing is. Yeah. No one like, if you already knew what you're going to write, you wouldn't write. It's already be done already. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you show up like it's having new. no idea. Yeah. Every time I go into a session, I'm like, I, I'm probably, I don't know how to write songs. Mm. <laughs> but I'm going to try again. I'm going to like throw it against the wall and maybe something will happen. That's today. that fear. That's that fear yeah. coming back around every time you come into yeah. a session. Did you have that early on with like, what was the, can you remember the first session where you were paired or you got linked up with a really top level writer? Do you remember what that was and how you felt going into that session? Mm. It might've been that Kara one mm. where it was like, oh my God, I know a lot of songs that you've written. Yeah. Um, and for me, what that made me do is go, the only shot I have at keeping up with you is if I go as emotional as I can. Like something that's like a really big, I love when songs are super close to someone, like go after what your deepest thing is, and then you get to put it into one word. And then that one word means so much mm. to you. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The person that you dated for eight years and then broke up with you. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the one word that sums that up? That's a great song. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like something sure. that's so close to you yeah. that then you can put into, so it makes people feel. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm curious now that um, you have had so many hits, released so many records, toured all over the world, and you are constantly kind of getting hit from every angle now with with social media and you're getting hit on Instagram and Twitter, but even at the shows and kind of how you can balance all of this out where constant um, admiration thrown at you, but then also um, feeling potentially that, um, you know, well, one, how are you staying humble with it all? And uh, and I loved kind of on the, the new record you you have uh, you talk about this like within the spotlight and uh, and just kind of like how do you keep that humility but also how do you um, are there moments that it kind of you need still to pump yourself up a little bit more even so all of this is being shot at you in a in a positive way there's so much positive energy coming in, in your direction as well and there's plenty of negative so yeah. so speak to both ends of that the positive and the negative. And then how you balance that out, how you deflect the negative, how you embrace the positive in an authentic um, way. Somehow early on, I was able to make a deal with myself that um, I I, like I just love to do this. And that's where I'm going to like stay. I think I'm just good enough Hmm. to to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I don't listen. I try hard 
but I don't listen when someone tells me that I'm not good enough to do this, mm. which in the beginning is what you get a lot of. Yes. And then you also don't listen when someone's like, oh, my God. <laughs> right, right. You're like the best that anyone's ever done this. It's yeah. like, take it easy. Yeah. I'm like right in here. Right. <laughs> this is my zone yeah. that I like stay in. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, when it comes to the negative stuff, when you're in a place where you can hear it, it's like all about like, can you hear it? Mm. You don't you don't ever want something to go all the way in that stops you from doing. Right. I'm like just do just especially with writing, you have to just keep doing it. So if criticism is coming and it's going to stop you from doing it, you can mm -hmm. feel like, "Oh my god." Then like, sure, put up your walls, like block it. Don't let yeah. it in. But but when you're ready, and you're in a zone, be like, "Okay, so what is what's the criticism about this? How do I learn? How do I shift this? How do I change?" You know? Where do you because if there's so much coming at you, positive, negative, criticism, positivity, but if you put up that wall, then potentially you're not able to receive anything. Yeah, I think it's, it's really about knowing yourself and timing. So like me and my yeah. wife, she's an amazing songwriter as well. Mm -hmm. And she'll come home. Like last night she came home and I was done with, I had written that day too. And I was like kind of tired. She goes, can I play this song? Yeah. And I'm like, not a good time. Hmm. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be good at, at, answer, at like telling you what you need. Or, or I'll say to her like... Can you listen to the song? And, and she'll be very clear about, like, what do you want from me? Mm. you want, like, wife that loves everything you do? Right. <laughs> do you want, like, asshole that's going to tell you the truth? Right. <laughs> and so it doesn't mean, like, a wall always. It just sure. means, like, oh, right now is not the time to go on Twitter. Mm. I'm, so like, I'm, like, about to have breakfast with a friend. Right. Do I just go check in and see how much everybody loves me or hates me? Uh, so that seems kind of stupid. So you you emotionally understand um, what this theoretically could do to you. Yeah. And so you pick and choose your times that you're going to be available to receive that. you're that. open to. You're open it. Okay, what are the, what are the common criticisms about this, mm. about what I'm doing? Yeah. How do people see me? Mm. So I, you know, I did this halftime show. Um, it was a, like a Thanksgiving halftime show. Mm -hmm. And it was the best day of my career. Wow. For horrible reasons. And <laughs> explain. I do this, I have this Fresh Eyes is like doing really well on Spotify. I've had some other songs that done well. And the NFL is like, what do you want to do? Like, we'll pretty much let you do whatever you want. Huh. I'm like, wait, whatever I want. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you want to like pop out of something? You want like fireworks? <laughs> you want like uh, a marching band? Do you want uh, crazy screens? Like, yeah. it's a halftime show. Like, do what you want to do. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, like whatever I want. Yeah. So then we like hired this creative director mm -hmm. and we made this huge, crazy smorgasbord of things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, went out there, did it. It got hilariously ripped apart oh on an on a, a astronomical level <laughs> oh, <no>. online. <laughs> Just like complete, like it got ripped apart so bad uh -huh. that you have your friends and family calling going like, you good? I remember uh, you were you were yeah. trending on Twitter yeah, because yeah, yeah, of that. I remember yeah. this. Are yeah. you how you holding up? Like, right. what can I? You want me to come over? Yeah. And uh, it was really, I I like just took it and I didn't let it in in the moment. Hmm. I'm just like, all right, this is life. <laughs> this is what being an artist is. You put oh, yourself gosh. out there and you get squashed. That's yeah. like a part of life. Yeah. So this will pass. Hmm. But then about a month later. I was able to look at it and go like, okay, so like, why? What what about this is going on? Hmm. And me and my manager, we hired, um, I spent like a decent amount of money and I hired this guy who used to work for MTV and he was like a branding guy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey man, can you come help me? Like, take a look at my brand. 
So we sat down for three days on a weekend, and he was like, this, this is what you're – first he started out and goes like, I just want everybody to tell me who you are. So like everybody on your team around you, I need them to tell me who you are. Like, all right, well, this guy's like super spiritual. He's a Baha'i, which believes like all the religions are one. Mm-hmm. He's been to Israel a bunch of times. He's like always really into service. Mm-hmm. He does like all these different things. And they talked about me just and took down notes of like who I am. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and then this is what you're showing me. And he's like, you, you're showing me like every man, but you're like kind of way more like dreamer mystical. Mm. So I think that, that you have more room to go into this area. And I was like, totally. It was like a light went off. And I started like doing a podcast about spirituality. Wow. And I started like writing words on the back of my jacket of who, yeah. what I want to be, humility, love, spirit, all these things. And mm. I started like going in a different and like thank God yeah. that I had, you know, to me it was like a I like to say it was like a photo that I had that was cool when it's small. Yeah. And the brand wasn't t- totally it was I wasn't being completely authentic and honest about who I was yeah. in my personality. And when you blow up a photo that's not perfectly tight, it yeah. starts to get like pixelated. So that's yeah. I, I I mean, I love that that image, but I'm really curious about branding. You brought in a branding guy, but because I think for a lot of singer-songwriters, especially because it's our name, it's your name. Yeah. Um, and there's a thousand things that make up who you are. Sure. And so you want to be authentic. And that's like part of, you know, we we throw around the term brand. It's what is my brand, who I am. Just how are you coming across? How are you coming across? And you are one thing. Yes. And how are you coming across? Those are often very different. But I feel like you're a thousand things and you need to maybe focus on certain things. Yes. Because it's like you're you've always been you. Sure. But maybe sometimes you've been focusing on other aspects that are not really coming across totally you know in a way that is representative of what you want to show yeah and and i think what you were saying about it's getting a little more specific of mm-hmm. like what's happiness to you mm-hmm. uh get this book and then another book i'll tell you about as well i know that's cool <laughs> there's this book Please. i read uh called this is marketing which i think is really good at this point in time for artists to seth read. godin seth godin i love it it's unbelievable great book get the and book. one of the one of the like aha moments yeah. in that book <laughs> was he talked about um you really have to be okay with telling people this is not for you. Mm. Which I am a super people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have clocked everybody in this room and I hope they all like me by the time they leave. <laughs> yeah. And so for me to be like, look, to be okay with telling someone else like, this is this is not for you. Yeah. And anytime you do like a national anthem at an NFL game, mm-hmm. the way I sing the national anthem, there's going to be a lot of people that's like, this is not for you. <laughs> yes. And like, it's okay. Yes. And when you actually are cool with standing in who you are, and being like, this is not for you. Mm. For the people that it is for, they're like, that's my guy. That's incredible to hear from a pop artist because we understand as pop is supposed to be for everyone. And But if you think about, I'm going to make music for everyone, it almost ends up being for no one. Yeah. And so you're underst- like you you now own that this is not going to be for some people, and no. that's okay. Yeah, that took a love a hard lesson for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I love that you kind of turn um, on the new record. You have a song, naive. Well, the the title track, which is kind of about some of the criticism that's been thrown your way, yeah. and uh, that people don't really understand or get what you're doing, or don't think that you're necessarily authentic about yeah. what you're doing. But, you know, kind of following your journey and anyone who's kind of been with your journey understands that it has been authentically you. But some people will just like dip in here and there. So like the first time they've ever experienced you was that halftime show. Sure. And they're like, oh, wait, this, no way, I don't get it or whatever. Or they hear like the one song or anything like that. 
And also, yeah. just even talking to that, like, there's no way to go through this. Like, you're signing up right now if you're trying to get into the music business. You're signing up for things like that. No one goes through without that. Mm. That's like a part of it. You are a warrior of courage to just like, mm. you're going to get blasted. You know, you're going to get like, you're going to write songs that you cry to and they're so beautiful. I cried writing a song about a girl who liked me at the time and she was like, um, I knew it wasn't right, but it was like kind of fun to have her around. And I knew that she probably shouldn't like fall in love with me because I'm, I'm not gonna be here. So mm. I, I wrote this from a very sincere place in my own, in my room, like a tear drops down. I'm like writing it. Yeah. And I go to play it for the peop, uh, my label at the time. And it's like, keep your heart on. Does anybody else hear that? That's so bad. <laughs> keep your heart on. That's not going to work. So you're like, really? I mean it. I'm singing it so intensely. Yeah. It means so much to me. And I look up and they're like, like, we, we can't let that one go. This is the game that you play. You're yeah. like, I'm going to, I'm okay. I'm okay to like go. I'm like, I'm really all right to look stupid for the opportunity that I will be able to be of service to someone. And that probably takes a lot because it was so meaningful to you. Yeah. You cried during that process. And, but eventually you had to come to terms with that. It wasn't going to serve other people in, an, in <laughs> <No>. a way. <laughs> it's not going to work. So that one was for you. That one's for me. That's important too. You need yeah. those songs for you. Do you ever just, do you have a process uh, or do you, do you have a way to process things that you know are just going to be for you? Do you ever turn to songwriting to process or yeah. do you have other practices? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's times, you know, where I write songs where I'm like, oh, man, there's a song on The Good Part. It's called Civil War where I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be a hit, but, like, I need to write this one. Mm. And and the truth is, is that, like, it doesn't matter. The hit thing is just, like, better to let go. Mm. Because I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, you have. It's like in your brain. It's always there. It's always working its thing. And the best I, is when you just go like, "Sure, you're there. Like, whatever. Get off me. Let me yeah. just like write this song. <laughs> Let me not care where it's going, how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get better at being like, okay, now that it sounds like this, maybe it'll be better if we do. You know, that's part of the writing process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the, if there was one thing I would say is that action kills fear, and your mm. best shot of being a, a working musician is if you're taking massive action more than you're like talking about it. And mm. especially in the early stages, if there's people here that like are really at the ground level, you might have to take action in things that aren't even doing the thing that you're doing. So like I spent a lot of time booking the Viper room, which <laughs> is like, I don't know if you know me, but that's like not my spot. Right. <laughs> but like I had it in there. Yeah. So then I was like, all right, how do I make this work? How do I have something to offer to other people? So we booked the downstairs, which is literally like the size of this stage here. <laughs> yes. And I, would, I made a whole, whole acoustic night there and then finally was able to book. So it's not going to look perfect. Yeah. Yep. It's like you show up, you do a lot of work around mm-hmm. getting, your, getting to your purpose. So there's sometimes mm-hmm. like a lot of work you have to do that seems sideways to get you back to what you want to do. Mm. I have one final question All right. that, uh, that, I ask, um, that I've asked everyone on, on this show. What does it mean to you and what do you uh, define as uh, how to make it in the new music business? I'll go back. I wish it was my own thing, but it, I'm, what's coming to mind is a quote from this other 
from Seth Godin. Sure. And he talks about how like right now, the way you make it is you, you find out who you're for, you show up to that person and be of such massive service to them that they would really miss you if you were gone. You do that, mm. I promise that you're gonna have a crew of people around you that are like cheering you on, that are buying your shirts, that are doing everything that you possibly do. Love it. Yeah. Andy Grammer, thank you so much Good for uh, being with us. That was fantastic. Awesome. Very enlightening. Um, we're gonna take a, we have time for a few questions. Uh, we have a mic right here. If you have a question, raise your hand and Cam will come around with the mic. Um, we have one, yeah, right there. Hey, how you doing? What's um, up? So question, when it comes to songwriting, all right, so I, I make music as well, and sometimes when I think about the concept of making 100 songs, it, it's kind of overwhelming, and I wonder, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a spiritual guy too, so yeah. I try to find inspiration in everything. So how do you like, keep the songwriting process fresh and not talk about love and life and yeah. the third? Like, how do you mix it up? Um, that's a great question. I, there are periods where like, uh, I find that I'm writing the same idea over and over again. Mm. And uh, and that might be 50 to 60. And then I show up again on Tuesday and 61 is like, ah, this is different. Mm. I just write through it. I just like refuse to stop. And if you just keep going, um, co-writing is cool. You want to switch it up. You want to like get vi different vibes. Um, but I, I equate it to we all have a friend who's like beefcake and he like goes to the gym every day hmm. and it's like non-negotiable. And then, and he brings his food and like a little Tupperware thing. <laughs> and you look at him and you're like, you have like a discipline with that, that like I will never have. <laughs> I have that with songwriting hmm. and you can get it. If it's important enough to you, if your purpose on earth is to like be a songwriter, then like you got to get that. You, you have to force that upon yourself and it can be learned. I didn't like just, I didn't just like um, have it naturally. I, I worked a lot at it. And now to me, it's like uh, when there's a day that I can write a song, I write a song hmm. and, and you can get there. You'll get there. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Right there with the glasses. Uh, let's do the mic here. So how do you find a balance between like making the art that you want to make, that you need, that you love, and then making art that you think everyone will love? Because obviously you've made songs that like everyone loves, but like no. sometimes I want to make like a screaming punk rock song that no one is ever going to like. Mm. So like how do you balance that and be true to yourself and please people and everything? I don't know if I fundamentally believe that if there's something that you really like, that others just are automatically won't like it. I don't know if I believe that. That's scary, right? Like you're, you might be digging in, a, in an area that like doesn't have the same amount of chance that you will hit something amazing. But, but when you create art, you, you hopefully are creating things that you love. So I would, uh, do you actually love, like if you really do love it, then someone else might love it. You know, there's like, um, there's a good shot that if it's like really lighting you up to not do that, I think would be uh, a terrible mistake. Hmm. I think. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And nice. then figure out like, now if you do it and no one likes it and that's just for you, um, then there, then there might be like, okay, cool. I did it. I did exactly what I want to do. And this isn't getting any response. 
And so that, that could be something that I still just like love to do. Like art doesn't have to be something that uh, everybody, like it can still go into that bucket and be like, I just love doing this. I'm doing this. And then there's other art that I love that I, I don't think you should be doing any art that you don't love and hoping that that, that someone else is going to love it. Mm. If you don't love it, now mm-hmm. you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a terrible place to start. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to make this because um, I think that this is what's working. Uh, I mean, it's so hard anyway. It's so hard when you love it and you're trying to find something that the other people are going to love to do something just because, uh, I, I don't know. That's my guess. That's, That's my like guess. chasing. It's so chasing is gnarly. Yeah. And I've definitely chased. Yeah. And I think my rule, my new rule on chasing mm-hmm. is, uh, okay. So there's like a trend, right? That's, that's coming through. Mm-hmm. Am I going to rub up against that trend out of fear or out of joy? Mm. If I'm rubbing up out of joy then it's like, this is interesting. I think I want to try a song with a drop. Cause like I've been listening to so many songs with a drop. This sounds int- like, I think I could do this interesting. Yeah. If I'm doing it out of like, oh man, everything's got to drop. I think I got to like put a drop in. Yeah. That's terrible. Uh, and it'll show. So it'll do come like through. a gut check. Yeah. Um, if you're doing it out of fear, stop doing it. Mm. Yeah. Nice. A lot of hands. Cam, you decide. <laughs> Hello. What's up? Um, so I wanted to ask you what your relationship is like with lyrics mm-hmm. and if you've had ebbs and flows with like how. Um, you process writing words because I myself am going through um, some like writer's block. So mm. I joined a creative writing class and I'm Great. trying to like, instead of write, like pressuring myself to write uh, lyrics, I'm just trying to write words and, yeah. and get to know and love them better totally. separately from the music. So I just wanted to hear like if you've struggled with that in the past and, and kind of had um, moments of total inspiration and productivity versus moments of more... Um, just stifle, like struggle with yeah. words. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, definitely had many struggles with words. And it, when you go to write them every day, I think to me, one of the most liberating things is like what I was saying, I was talking about my wife today, is that I don't fully know how it's going to hit me later. So I think that when you write music, it's like, it's like painting something. And that day when you're looking at it, it's like here. Mm. So you're like, Someone's like, is this good? You're like, I think so. (laughs) I don't don't really know. Yeah. Right? And then like as weeks go by, two weeks, three weeks, Uh you know, I have a song called 85 that I know I feel that way. And when I wrote it, I was like, I think this is cheesy. This is who I am. But when I'm looking at this lyric down, it feels like cheesy to me. It is one of my favorite songs uh, that I've ever written. So again, I think when you're having trouble and it doesn't feel like it's inspired, you can lean back into like, well, I'm just doing it today because that's what I do. Hmm. I'm a writer. And I might not be in love with this today, uh, but I showed up for my thing. And then you will notice over a long period of time that you've written some great shit in those periods. And that sometimes you don't leave a session going like, oh my God, that was amazing. And you still got something great. So that that's a cool place now, 10 years in, to be like, man, this writing session... Feels like I'm pushing a freaking ball up a hill, but I've felt this before and had hit from it. Mm. So my job then is now to not leave until like I'm just gonna keep going. You know what I mean? Andy Grammer, thank you so much. Let's give him a round of applause. Hey. That is so helpful and incredible and amazing.
episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. Uh-huh. 